Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Good morning, everyone. I'm so grateful to God for giving me this privilege of sharing with you from God's Word. I'm also grateful to Pastor for trusting me with the pulpit this morning. Um, I'm actually quite new to this country. In fact, I I will remember this day for a long time because this is the first time I'd be preaching in a church setting in Canada. So this is pretty special for me. And I'm grateful to the pastor for for all his encouragement. Uh, He's a very godly, humble man, and I'm glad that I, I got to know him, and I'm thankful to Brother Wycliffe, who was instrumental in making this connection. Shall we close our eyes, look to God in prayer this morning, and we will ask God very sincerely, very honestly, from the depths of our hearts, and say, God, I need to hear from you. I need to hear from you, Lord. Lord, this morning we just come and ask you that you will have your way in our lives. Our trust is not in anything else, O oh God. Lord, we know no great oratory skills can touch and change our lives. It is your word through your spirit, O oh God. And so we pray that you will minister to us. Lord, we come against everything of our own flesh, O oh God, and we pray that your spirit will move in our midst, O oh God, and that your word will, Lord, take deep root in our hearts and with our responses that Christ will be exalted and honored in our midst, O oh God. We thank you for what you are about to do in our midst, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you have heard of this story. The story is about a man who took his little boy to a nearby town. And as they were heading towards the town, they were very, very hungry. And so they stopped at a popular restaurant and ordered some food. The food came and was placed on the table. And the father told the little boy, son, Let's have a silent prayer. And so the father closed his eyes for a few moments and opened his eyes. The boy was still continuing in his silent prayer. And the father was hungry. He was, he was like waiting. What on earth is this boy doing? And so he was waiting and waiting for quite some time. And then finally, the boy opened his eyes. The father was pretty uh, perplexed and also pretty frustrated. He said, son, what on earth were you praying for so long? And the boy said, how do I know? This is supposed to be silent prayer. (laughs) Now, there are many, many books written on prayer. There are many sermons preached on prayer. 
And there are many times we would have told people about prayer and, you know, asking them to pray and so on and so forth. But many a times, my friends, you know, when we look into our own lives, this is probably one area we struggle so much in our lives. And that's why what I'm going to share with you, I believe, is going to be relevant for each one of us, including myself. I've titled my message this morning as the place of prayer, the place of prayer. And I want to share with you at least seven things about prayer this morning. And I'll try to be brief with each of these points and probably focus on some of them a little more. Number one, the place of prayer is a place of pursuit after God. The place of prayer is a place of pursuit after God. There are many today who view God as an ATM machine. He's a God up there. He's some kind of an imper impersonal force who only exists to make a big deal about me. In some cases, even worse, he exists as some kind of a delivery boy who's just taking my orders to give all my deliveries. But my friend, the purpose, the, the, the primary purpose of prayer is not trying to get something from God, but to pursue God for God's sake. And that's why I believe when the Lord Jesus Christ was teaching the disciples how to pray, he says, our Father, to help us understand that prayer is not some sort of a religious duty or something that we only do when we are in need. It is not a ritual, but it is a pursuit of a relationship. I believe this is the greatest privilege afforded to every single believer, my friends, by which we can commune with this infinitely great God and come to him face to face through this channel called prayer. If you ask me why were we created, I'd say we were created for fellowship, for worship, but how do we do that? It is through prayer, my friends. We were not only cre created for fellowship, we were recreated for fellowship. In other words, we were rescued, we were restored, we were, you know, saved for fellowship, my friends. And yet, many times, this is our most neglected area of our lives. Our spiritual life is not measured by how long we've been Christians. Our spiritual life is not measured by how much we know. Our spiritual life is not measured by how much we can sweat and do things for God. Our spiritual lives are not measured by what we can do and what we can give. Our spiritual lives, I believe, measured by how much we commune with God. And that's why our greatest model, Jesus Christ, was a man 
while he was on the earth, a man of prayer. You might stop me and say, brother, I pray. I'm a man of prayer. I pray three times a day, before breakfast, before lunch, and before dinner. That's not what I'm talking about. You look into the life of Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. Luke chapter 5, verse 15 16, however, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. A lot of times our excuse is that we are busy. But I don't think anyone is as busy as Jesus was. He was a busy man. And yet he often withdrew to be alone with the Father. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Some of us might say, but that's Jesus. But that's Jesus. But may I tell you there were men and women in the history of the church who were people of prayer, somebody like Martin Luther. He said, the more I'm busy, the more I need to pray because I know I cannot handle all by myself. There's a man called Robert Murray McSheen. He would spend the first two hours of his day in prayer. There was this man called Marcus D. Renty. A man of prayer. One day he was going into this closet to pray. He, he told his helper, this man who would help him in his, in his office. He, he said, listen, after half an hour, I want you to, you know, remind me so that I can come out. So he goes into his closet and he's praying for, for, for a long time and half an hour is over. The, this man, this helper is standing there and he's, he sees this man deeply communing with God. He does not want to disturb him. He stands there for some time. And after three hours, he touches him and says, Master, it's over. And he says, oh, I didn't know half an hour was over so quickly. For some, for some of us, for, for me, many times, you know, I have to drag myself. I'm, you know, I commit myself to pray for a certain time. And after every five minutes, I'm looking, oh, God. <laughs> I don't know if that is your story. The place of prayer is a place of pursuit after God. There are, you know, some of you might say, brother, it's not about quantity, it's about quality. I bet you say that to your wife. 
If, if I said that to my wife, you know, in a very qualitative way, hi, honey, and bye, honey, and say, you know, that was quality. <laughs> and I don't need quantity. But the truth of the matter is, my friend, is that in any relationship, if you want to grow in intimacy, there's a lot of quantity also that is needed. Number one. The place of prayer is a place of pursuit after God. It's a place where you grow in your relationship with God. Number two, the place of prayer is a place of pardon, my friends. It is a place where we can come to God just as we are and allow God to uncover us. It's a place where we can come confessing to God. We can come and say, God, this is who I am, oh God. And that's why you, you find chapters like Psalm 51, where the entire psalm is a prayer of confession, is a prayer of repentance, is a prayer of opening himself up to God and say, God, against you only have I sinned, O God. This is who I am, O God. One John chapter one and verse nine, it says, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all, all our unrighteousness. The place of prayer is also a place where we can come and receive our pardon. It is a place we can come and say, God, this is who I am. I cannot carry this burden of guilt anymore, oh God. I cannot carry this burden anymore. I come to you. This is who I am. Will you please forgive me? Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 17. This is one of my favorite verses. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. It's a place of pardon, my friend. It's a place of repentance. It is a place of transformation. I don't think a person who really spends time with God alone will come back unchanged. It's a place of pursuit after God. A place of prayer. It is a place of pardon. Number three. It is a place of pouring your heart before God. It's a place of pouring your heart before God. Your hurt, your pain, your deep wounds, your burdens that you seem to be carrying for a long, long time. Those certain things that you don't know how people will react if you tell them. And you probably think nobody cares and nobody understands. But listen, you can bring it to God in prayer. There is this beautiful story in 1 Samuel chapter 1. This is the story is about a woman called Hannah. And there was this man called Elkanah. He had two wives. 
and the one was Penina, and the other one was Hannah. Penina had children. Hannah was barren. And um, in those days, it was a difficult thing if you didn't have children. And Penina, the Bible says, constantly provoked her, constantly insulted her, constantly put her down. And she was going through so much of anguish, Hannah. And if you, were, you and I were in her place going through so much of shame and hurt and mockery and provocation, what would you do? But you know what Hannah did? She goes to God to pour out her heart before God. In fact, the man of God, Eli, there, things when she is there praying, he doesn't know she's praying because only her lips are moving. He thinks she's drunk early in the morning and says, Woman, what are you doing? Hannah says, this is beautiful, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 15. I've come to pour out my heart before God. And we know that she truly poured out her heart before God because the Bible also says in verse 18 that she was no longer sad. If you've truly come to God in prayer, if we are truly have poured out our heart before God, then something needs to change, my friends. There are times we carry our burdens. We go, we pray, and sometimes prayer is that formality. We pray, and then we get up, and we don't forget to take our burden back and carry it back because we haven't poured out really before God. Prayer is a place where you can open your heart and pour out every single thing that you have been going through in your life. What a privilege. What a privilege it is that God has given us. Number four, the place of prayer is not only a place that you can pour out your heart before God. The place of prayer is a place of petition. A place where you can ask God a place you can come and make your request known to God. He is our heavenly father and he encourages us to ask him. In fact, you know what? He takes great delight when his children depend on him and there is nothing like prayer because prayer is a sign of dependence on God. We are saying, Father, I want you. When you ask, you know what you're trying to say? You're saying, Father, I am helpless. When you're asking God, you know what you're trying to say? God, I want you to intervene. When you're asking God, you're saying, God, you are God, I am not. And yet, James says in chapter 4 and verse 2, you don't have because you don't ask. But the Bible urges us. Jesus urges us and he says, ask and it shall be given to you. 
Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. Ask and it shall be given to you. He takes, he, this God is a giver, my friends. This God is a benevolent God. This God is a generous God. This God is waiting to work in our lives. But then he wants us to ask him. And there is no time. There is no, there are no restrictions. Just like my little child can come to me at any point. I'm like not saying, Yo, no, you need to take an appointment. No, no, no. You can come to God at any time. And just reach out to him and he will reach out to you. It's a place of petition. It's a place of dependence, my friends. And God loves it when we are dependent on him. It's not just for little or some great things of our lives that we need to go to him and ask him. He wants us to be dependent on him on very little things. Every day, the mundane things of life. Say, God, I want you to help me. I want you to provide. I want you to take care of this area of my life. I, I really want you, oh God. It's a place of petition. Number five. It's not only a place of petition. It's also a place of personal surrender. Prayer is a spiritual battle. How many of you agree? Yeah? Many, many victories are won in prayer. But there are times, unknowingly, we battle against God himself. Because we keep praying against his own will. May I tell you that prayer is not trying to arm twist God to get what you want. Prayer is a place where you can come before God and surrender your will to him. It's a place where aligning of our wills happen. If you don't believe... Look at Matthew chapter 26, 36 to 46, in the garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus was praying this prayer. He was saying, Father, let this cup pass from me. But that is not the end of the prayer. He goes on to say, yet not my will, but yours be done. Prayer is a place where we can come and allow God to shape our hearts and align our hearts to the heart of God. It's a place of personal surrender, my friends. It's a place of personal surrender. We're talking about the place of prayer. And I said... The place of prayer is a place of pursuing after God. I also said the place of prayer is a place of pardon. The place of prayer is a place of pouring out your heart before God. And the place of prayer is a place of petition. The place of prayer is a place of personal surrender. The sixth thing is the place of prayer is a place of pleading for others. 
It's a place of intercession, my friends. Intercession is nothing but to pray on behalf of others, to stand in the gap. In Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30, God is seeking for intercessors. More than, you know, people who can do great things for God. You know what? God is constantly seeking after. God is seeking for those who can stand in the gap. Those who can weep and mourn for those who are heading towards hell. Those who don't have hope in their lives. Those whose lives are broken. God is looking for such kind of people, my friends. If you look at Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse, that, that, that entire chapter, Nehemiah is, is not some kind of a, a, a preacher or anybody like that. But he's a, a man who's serving under the king. But he was a sensitive man. When the news came to him about Jerusalem and that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down and the, and the gates of the walls were burned down. You know what he does? He weeps, he moans, he fasts and he cries out to the God of heaven for the walls that are broken down. My friend, do you see the walls that are broken down around you, in your neighborhood, in your city, in the place that God has placed you, maybe within your family, your relatives, people who do not know God, people who are broken on the inside, people who are hopeless, people who do not have absolutely no hope without Jesus Christ in their lives. And God is saying, where are those people? Where are those people who can stand in the gap? Where are those people who can put themselves in other people's shoes and weep and mourn for their lives and say, Oh God, have mercy on them. And God is looking for such people, my friends. And prayer, prayer is a place of intercession. Prayer is a place where we can plead for others before God. James, the brother of Jesus, was the leader in the church of Jerusalem. And when he was killed in the first century persecution, when they were preparing the body for funeral, they noticed something on his knees. There was thick callus on his knees, like a camel's, like camel's knees. Because he was praying for all the churches that were entrusted to him. And that's why they nicknamed him Camel Knees, James the Camel Knees. It's not an option for a believer. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not something there are times we think, oh, intercession and all this, something that the pastor needs to do or somebody else full-time needs to do. My friends, it's, it's a call on everybody's life. It is not an option for, for, for believers. In fact, it is a command. God commands us to pray for others. In fact, you know, I'd go and show you this verse in 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 23 where prophet Samuel is saying, How can I sin by not praying for you? Prayerlessness is sin, my friends. 
not choosing to pray for others. Prophet Samuel is saying, how can I sin by not praying? Are there people that God has brought in your life that you see that God has burdened you, but yet you don't take time to pray for them? It's something that we need to think. People can resist your preaching. People can resist what you can tell them. But people can never, ever resist your prayers. Because God supernaturally works when you begin to pray for lives. People who are the most rebellious. And when I look into my own life as a teenager, I was not walking with God. But my mother would pray day after day, day after day, day after day. And here I am by the grace of God and the prayer of my mother. Are there people in your family who don't walk with God? Plead before God for their lives. Are there people in your workplace who do not know God? Plead before God for their lives. Because a place of prayer is a place of pleading for others. And finally, the place of prayer is a place of power. It is a place of power. There are Christians today in this world, but there are many Christians who are powerless Christians. The reason for such powerlessness is simple. It's prayerlessness. Jesus, when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, during this, this dark, I'd probably say the darkest time, just before his crucifixion, he was there in the garden of Gethsemane. And he calls his disciples and he says, watch with me. Watch with me in prayer. And he says, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And these disciples, I don't know what they were thinking. They sleep. And Jesus is going through that struggle in that darkest hour. When everybody is sleeping, he's praying and praying and praying. Praying, he comes out victorious and he goes to the cross victoriously. But these disciples are defeated because they were not in prayer. The place of prayer is a place of power, my friends. Someone said, more prayer, more power. Less prayer, less power. No prayer, no power. And we need to ask ourselves which category we fit into. And some of us are wondering why, for with every little gentle breeze that comes my way, I fall. Why? And we begin to complain and say it's because of them, it's because of my environment, it is because of my background, or it's because of those people who tried to get me into this. No, my friends, it's because you have not been seeking the face of God in prayer. Because that is where your power is. There was this man called John Welsh, a Scottish man. He was a man of prayer. And there was this queen called Queen Mary, who was not very favorable. In fact, she was notoriously, you know, opposing Christianity during that time. 
And this is what she says about this man. I fear his prayers more than I do the armies of my enemies. And someone said that it's not just kings and queens who are over you that are affected by your prayer. The devil himself. And someone said the devil trembles when he sees God's weakest child upon his knees. This is what is our privilege, my friends. This is what is at our disposal. Everything that we need. If you have to pursue our relationship with God, go to God in prayer. If you want pardon, go to God in prayer. If you need to pour out your heart before God, you've been carrying these loads of burdens, go to God in prayer. Are there a lot of things that you need God to intervene? Go to God in prayer. You do not know which way to go. Go to God in prayer because in prayer, God will align your heart to his. Are there people with brokenness, people whose lives are broken uh, around you? Go to God in prayer. God calls us to pray. And if you feel powerless, go to God in prayer. There is no other place we are get ourselves refueled except the presence of this God. Even as I close, I'm reminded of an old hymn. I ask the worship team to keep, please come forward. An old hymn, which goes on like this. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should not be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Jesus, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy, do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. We'll sing the song together. And let's reaffirm our trust in God. And say, God, this is what, if you have been doing that, God, what a precious gift you have given me and how much I've been neglecting, oh God. And we do that to our own peril, my friends. Let's come back to the place of prayer this morning. Even as we sing the song and recommit ourselves to God.
allow God to continue to minister to us. Thank you so much for listening to our Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.